Hello, spy thriller fans. My name is Jess, and this is CamCat Unwrapped. You've been listening to The Wayward Spy by Susan Allette, which was named one of Strand Magazine's top 12 books for the year of 2021. Today, we have the author Susan Allette with us here for a remote interview, and I'm so excited to talk to her. Susan, thank you so much for being here with us. I'm excited to be here with you. Amazing. Well, I'm so excited to get into hearing about your backstory and hearing just everything about you. I know that you are somewhat of a real-life Maggie Jenkins yourself, so why don't we start with you telling us about yourself? Sure. Uh, I grew up near Boston, um, actually closer to Cape Cod, and I moved to the Washington, D.C. area in college uh, to do an internship at the Central Intelligence Agency. Um, I was there for three years on and off, also in graduate school uh, between semesters. I'd take semesters off and come down, um, and it was a fabulous experience. But then I got the opportunity to work on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., and I worked for the House Intelligence Committee, which is the committee that oversees all intelligence agencies, not just the CIA. And that was a fantastic job, lots of fun. And it was there when I um, sometimes was bored if I was working on things like budget issues that are not quite as exciting as the spy side of things. Um, that I started thinking, hmm, I wonder what would happen if, and I would think of uh, different scenarios where somebody who was around my age, who was just an intelligence analyst, got caught up in some horrific scandal uh, where there was a terrorist threat and the loss of life of people close to the character. And that's when I came up with Maggie. Uh, my office was tucked up in the attic of the Capitol Dome, the dome that everybody knows. They've seen it on TV and in history books and in paintings. And our, our office was tucked up in that attic behind locked doors that were essentially safes themselves. Um, and that's where I came up with Maggie. And that's where I placed a lot of um, the wayward spy. That is so, so, so amazing. I knew that you were a CIA analyst, and I know we had talked some before about you having started at the CIA through an internship, but that is so crazy. I truly had no idea that they even did internships for college students, that you could just join the team. What was that whole process like? Uh, so I first uh, found out about the opportunity when I went to a government job fair up in Boston, up in Boston when I was in college. And I, I did go there hoping that the CIA would be there. It was something I had always been interested in. I was fascinated by the intelligence community and the KGB versus the CIA. And I love Tom Clancy novels and, and all that sort of thing. So I went to the job fair and sure enough, there was a CIA representative there. And that's when I found out about this internship program. So I applied and it took about nine months for the entire process. And that included a very thorough background check. I think they went back and talked to you know, high school teachers, neighbors, employers, professors, classmates. Um, and 
flew, flew me down to uh, the Washington DC area for an interview, a physical and a polygraph or two or three. It was really not a fun process, um, but I got through and uh, got a letter in the mail a couple of weeks later saying report next week. And I had to go to my boss because I was working part-time and say, um, I got to go. <laughs> and when I told him where I was going, he was like, is that why people were in the office poking around asking questions about you? And I, I didn't even know that they had been there. So I don't know how they got by me, but they did. <laughs> so I, I came down um, to, to start my internship and I didn't know what to expect. I thought maybe I'd get to do a couple of interesting things, but was I going to be making copies or coffee or what was this all about? And I walked into to my cubicle the first day and there were top secret documents waiting for me. I already had assigned topics and areas of interest and began writing papers and even had a piece that went to the president's desk about an issue that had happened and what the consequences would be in in the former soviet union so that was really exciting that is so 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 cool i was going to ask you when you said that you had a job at the time what that was like if you were allowed to say where you were going but it sounds like you were and that the your boss was very receptive to that i mean what is he going to say no you can't go join this opportunity of a lifetime after nine months of background checks and everything. I mean, that is just really so, so, so neat. So what was your, what sparked your initial interest in intelligence? Were you always interested in, in joining? It sounds like you knew what you were doing when you went to that government job fair. I was interested for a long time. I think um, as a kid, I loved Nancy Drew. So I thought, well, maybe I could be a detective and you know, I could, I could spy on people and solve cases. And as as my reading skills grew, I sort of, you know, progressed up to Agatha Christie. And th then shortly after that, like early high school, I discovered Tom Clancy. And um, I think The Hunt for Red October was the first book of his that I read. And I was immediately hooked and thought, wow, this is this is amazing. This is something I would love to be Jack Ryan um, down the road. And I was very interested in Russia and the Soviet Union and took Russian classes and took every class I could get on Russian culture, Soviet history, that sort of thing. Um, and so I, I think I, I had a goal of working for the CIA, but back then, you know, there wasn't a website, there wasn't, I'm, I'm dating myself, but I, I didn't know how you did that. And like I said, I didn't even know they had a, internship program, which is really a funnel for hiring new employees. They take it very seriously. Hmm. I didn't even think about the times. I just, I guess I just didn't even know the CIA would have a website, but I assume if you look up CIA, they must have something, <laughs> but uh, that is so neat. I usually, and, and for, oh, for, okay. I, I was just going to say for any college students or even high school students who are interested, they, you can go on their website and they have information about their internships still. Oh, wow. Oh, that is so neat. Uh, I usually have to ask our authors what their connection is to their genre of choice, but here I obviously don't have to. You have so much experience in that. It's your whole life, it sounds like, has been being 
somewhat of a real life Maggie Jenkins, even if, you know, you didn't have to necessarily go through the whole, well, the whole uh, part of the book where she loses her fiance and then has to become a real spy, like to the T of what a spy means. But I'm so curious what sort of experiences you've maybe had that did fuel Maggie Jenkins' experiences, or maybe even Warner or another character in the book? Um, sure. There. So I was I was um, very idealistic when I landed on Capitol Hill, and I thought democracy in action, and isn't this amazing? And you know, the majority of the Congress men and women that I worked with were smart and effective leaders. There were some that you'd run across that. Mm, I don't know, a little maybe slimy. (laughs) And I remember thinking, how do these people keep getting elected? And, you know, the only way that they probably wouldn't get elected is if they were caught up in some really massive scandal. And that's where it started to come together for me that, well, what kind of a scandal? And I started thinking of characters maybe who could put Maggie in a terrible position, um, due to their own actions that was, you know, sort of a lust for power and, and, you know, greed and, and not being patriotic Americans. Um, And so that, that was the start. And then I did some overseas travel when I worked on the Hill. Um, And in particular, uh, I went to an Eastern European country and got to meet with the CIA station chief there. And the station chief is the top CIA official in most of our embassies overseas have a CIA station. Um, And he gave us briefings. We're in a very safe country in a very safe capital, but he did tell us that um, a, a foreign intelligence service was taking photographs of American children. So embassy staff with their children there, they, they were taking pictures of these children getting on and off the school bus that took them to school every day. And it was crazy to think about that, um, that, that these kids would actually be a potential target. Um, so it changed my perspective on what's really going on in some of these countries and who are we a target of and who are we watching? And um, so it all was sort of just moving around in my head, in my imagination, and it it started to coalesce into Maggie Jenkins, the character, and some of her adventures running around the world trying to chase down the truth and the bad guys. Yeah, absolutely. That is so, so, so cool. Well, usually uh, I would just jump into asking what your writing process is like. And I am so curious, but being that you've mentioned some of your other, you know, experiences as a CIA analyst, did you have to maybe put your book through some sort of vetting by the CIA before they'd let you or publish it? What was any of that like? What's the process of that look like? Uh, Yes. So there is a a publications review board for anyone who worked at the CIA. Um, And I I believe if you've worked for other intelligence agencies, there's a similar process. If you've had a security clearance, which everybody who would work for an intelligence agency would have that. And so if you're a current employee or a former employee for the rest of my life, 
uh, anything I write that's related to intelligence at all, I have to run through this publications review board. If I wrote a cookbook, not a problem. I could just publish that. Um, so you, you simply send the manuscript in, um, and it, I don't know, it takes them about a month, at least for my fiction to read through it and decide if there's anything classified. Um, they've never taken anything out of my books. I don't get the black marked out words that you might see if you go search for, you know, declassified intelligence documents. Um, but I, I was pretty careful not to reveal anything that might be at all classified because, you know, I, I had to take an oath and I don't want legal trouble. So I, I was very careful. Um, there was one, one little part of the wayward spy that I thought they might say, just change this a little bit. It's a little too close to the truth. Um, but they didn't. So I think I, you know, disguised and distorted the, the real life thing that it was based on, but I'll, I'll just leave it there. So as not to draw attention to it <laughs> and to leave the reader guessing. Absolutely. There's no better teaser than that, right? I'm sure everyone's going to be going through it with a fine tooth comb now. Just like, what is, what is the big secret here? <laughs> that is so neat. Well, now I do want to delve into your writing process a little bit, just because that all sounds so, so, so cool and amazing. And it sounds almost aside from, of course, what you had to change for classification, you know, or I guess classified. I don't know if classification would work as a replacement for classified reasons, but, um, but yeah, aside from the things that you obviously had to change, it seems like to some extent the character of Maggie Jenkins shares a good amount with you and, I don't want to say that there are aspects that are autobiographical, but that it really does follow some of the experiences that you've had. So what was your writing process like? Did you feel like you were just like, oh, well, here are some fun stories. I mean, fun also <laughs> for a spy thriller, but here are some crazy stories that happened to me or that I know of that I can kind of twist and share. Or was it very much like this is a complete work of fiction. This is just my uh, fantasizing about what I thought spy life was going to look like. Just, I'm so curious about your thoughts as you went into this book. Uh, yeah, I think um, Maggie, the character, has a lot in common with me up until the point that she sets off to take on the world. I have never run across the world looking for terrorists or, you know, that, that sort of thing. Um, but our backgrounds are similar. You know, we both grew up in the Boston area and we both worked for the CIA and then the House Intelligence Committee. And then it kind of goes completely fictional. Um, but I think it's realistic enough. And, and I, I, where I also drew from real life was some of the scene setting, like CIA headquarters, uh, Capitol Hill, the Intelligence Committee headquarters, those are all as accurate and realistic as, as I could make them, um, it, down to the, you know, the, the squeaky elevator that she has to take up to her office in, uh, the Capitol building. So it's a blend. It's a, it's a blend. I mean, the plot's fictionalized for sure. Um, but I think it's realistic. I don't think it's too far fetched. These things could certainly happen. 
I hope they wouldn't to any to any CIA analyst, but they certainly could happen. No, of course. Um, and then what about your writing process? Or do you consider yourself more of a planner or more of a pantser? Someone who just kind of lets the story tell itself to you? I'm definitely a pantser, um, particularly for The Wayward Spy, as it was the first thing I had, first fiction I had ever written. Um, no outline. I knew the opening and I knew the ending and the rest of it was kind of a big mystery. Um, but it works for me. I, I, for, I plan to try to do a little more outlining going forward to see if it will make the revision process a little less painful. But gosh, the thought of trying to outline a book makes me, I don't know, <laughs> kind of stops me in my tracks. I'm definitely a pantser. Oh, that is so, so neat. Well, I, I imagine especially because so, so much of it is loosely based off of things that you have experienced to some extent that you're probably just writing down things as they were coming to you because it probably comes so naturally to you. Yes. And um, there's there's one part of the writing process that I think is, is really neat. And I, I don't think it's unique to me. And that's when... I will write something or include something in my writing in a, in a earlier chapter without really thinking about why I've added that person or that event. Um, and when I w was writing the wayward target, uh, I'm sorry, the wayward spy, um, I was in a writing group online and, um, we had an instructor and I had put in, um, a scene, um, where, the writing instructor said, you're, you're just so clever. And I said, what, what are you talking about? And she said, this is going to come up later in the book. You just don't know it yet. And sure enough, the scene that I wrote ended up being pivotal toward the end of the book. And um, I thought, wow, that's just crazy because somewhere in my subconscious, I must have made a connection or I knew I was setting a scene, setting the stage for a later scene. And it worked out really well. And I found that happening a couple of times um, in my other books too. Mm, wow. That is so, so, so neat. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder how many authors experience that where they just kind of unconsciously write some, write some aspect of their book that ends up coming around later or how conscious or unconscious that process is of I'm just going to write this down because it feels like it makes sense right now in the story, but then later on it ends up being like the moment uh, or contributes to the moment that makes what makes the story so amazing. Um, you had mentioned that you were a part of a writing group. What was that like for you? Had that lend to your story a lot? Uh, how long were you part of this writing group? What uh, What do you recommend, I guess, for people who... Uh, are considering getting into a writing group possibly it was fantastic and this yeah I, I was a complete rookie I didn't really know what I was doing and I think I knew that I needed the confidence that a writing group would give me just honest feedback uh, you know calling me out if something didn't make sense and um, the the writing instructor was tough she was a tough cookie um, and if she didn't like something, she was spot on. Um, so it was extremely helpful 
to get me through and, and to keep me on track. You know, I had to turn in a couple thousand words a week. So that kept me writing um, instead of giving up. I was like, well, everybody else is turning in their, their story chapters. I need to keep up with this. Um, and it, it turned out, I guess I was with that group for about a year. And, it, and toward the end, we all flew out to Oregon to her, the writing instructor's home and this was kind of in the early days of like the big internet. This is pre-Facebook, all of this. And I'm like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done. I'm flying across the country to meet with a bunch of um, writers I've never met up, never known in person. You know, we didn't even have video chatting technology. And, and to stay at my writing instructor's home. <laughs> but it was great. It was great to meet everybody in person. It was great just to hang out, to talk about writing and the writing process. And um, I recommend it. If you're not sure, if you're lacking self-confidence, and I think most writers are, especially initially, they're not sure if they really have it, have what it takes, is to get yourself into a writing group, but also don't be afraid to leave that group if it's counterproductive. You know, I've heard some stories. <laughs> yeah, if it's not productive to your process, then you can you can politely leave the group and try to find your people in another group. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's some great advice, but that sounds like such a fun experience to be able to A, get feedback on this thing that you're working so hard on and, and have some eyes on it just of people who are going through the same process as you. And also to fly across the country for you, right? Because you said it was in Oregon. So, uh, and meet all this group of people who you'd never met before, uh, that must've just been so fun and so, so crazy. You said that this all was happening before the Facebook days, how long, and I know that your book came out in, um, 2021 was when it, the wayward spy was published. So how long did it take you to write your book? Um, it, I think the first draft took me a, a little over a year, but that was in 2001. So it took me 20 years from then to hit publication. So it was a, a two decade journey. Um, it was definitely worth it. And I wasn't writing consistently for 20 years because I had a job and a family and young children. Um, but yeah, 20 years from the end until it was published. Wow, that is so, so cool. I feel like so many people maybe have things on their shelves that they're like, this is technically done, but I don't really know what to do with it. So that's so inspirational, I'm sure, for people out there who are like, well, should I ever give this thing a chance? And look at you, you decided to submit your manuscript. And after 20 years, it found its home at CamCat, which is so amazing. I'm so glad that we were able to bring it out into the world because it was really such a wonderful read. Uh, I'm curious just because it seems like your writing process is so, I, I want to say, I, like I said, it feels very natural. It feels so natural to you. What was the hardest scene for you to write? Uh, the hardest scene for me is or the hardest type of scene um, are the ones where there's death and destruction, um, especially the closer that event is to the character, because I, I have to dig deep and not be 
it, it's a fine balance between being over emotional in the scene and being too clinical about what happened and the emotions involved. Um, so there's one scene in particular with a, a wake and a funeral, I guess it's two scenes. And um, those were probably the hardest for me to write. And I really wanted to get them right. Um, Maggie has to grieve and mourn, but she's also got to get down to business and she knows that. Um, and everything's spinning out of control, but she can't just pick up and run because she's weighed down by a lot of grief. So th those are the toughest type of scenes for me to write where there's not a lot of action and there's a lot of um, heavy emotion. Sure. Well, that makes a lot of sense. But I do think that you did such a great job on those scenes. So I never would have guessed that those were harder for you to write because I always just feel like it adds such an element of realism when a book takes a moment to acknowledge the hurt um, that is left from someone experiencing something traumatic. Um, but that on the same t or by the same token, having to move forward and knowing that you can't just sit here and dwell on this forever. A, because for the sake of the story, you can't just do that. You have to keep moving forward uh, with the plot, but in a very human way, we have to keep moving forward. We can't just dwell on these things and we do, we, we move forward. So I just thought that those scenes were very well done and it's never something I would have expected you to have struggled with because it just feels so, natural the way that you did it and so real so I appreciate hearing that those were harder scenes for you to write because I feel like when an author puts more into a scene you can feel it as a reader so thank you for sharing that with me because I definitely feel like I felt that as a reader going through your book um speaking of that having a hard time kind of taking a beat and doing those emotional things. And also um, all of the ways in which this book kind of intertwines and things you've experienced, what kind of research did you have to do for your book? Did you have to research ways that other authors kind of gave attention to those emotional scenes or even like other CIA secret type uh I mean, I guess you wouldn't have to do much research on that, being that you have so much experience in it, but were there things that maybe you didn't know that you had to look into? Uh, yes, some of the overseas parts, um, I really had to dig in and do research and make sure that the way I was portraying things in these foreign countries was as accurate as possible. I, that, that was really important to me. Um, you know, even though maybe I don't have readers in those countries, you never know. <laughs> and, uh, and I just thought it was, it was important to lend authenticity to the story. So that's where most of my research went. And uh, gosh, I love, I love to do research. So it's, it can become a black hole for me and I can just go keep going and going, Oh, look at all this super interesting information. And, and then I have to pull back and say, get back to writing, <laughs> put this in the book and, you know, you can do the extra research later, but yeah, I love, I love to do the research part and, um, you know, hopefully at some point I'll be able to, to travel to some of the places that I've depicted. 
Oh, absolutely. That would be so amazing. I imagine that you would have a different perspective going into them as well, just because you've gotten the chance to kind of write that, write about them and make them your own already. So to actually be able to do that in person, I'm sure would just be such a fun experience. Uh, I want to shift gears a little bit because I'm curious about your audiobook, as that is what we've all been listening to. Uh, what was it like for you the first time you, or did you get to hear your audiobook back fully yet? Or uh, the auditioning process for you getting to choose the narrator? What was all of that like for you? Um, so I I think the publisher, CamCat, sent me maybe four or five auditions for the audiobook actor. And um, I think I you know, I eliminated a few pretty quickly that I just thought that doesn't sound like Maggie. That's, that's not how she would react. Um, and so I, um, I think, I think I got it down to two and, um, one of them was, she was pretty much the clear favorite and, you know, everybody on the team agreed that she was who we would go with Erin Bennett. Um, and I think she's done a fantastic job and I, the first time that I listened to the book, um, it was very surreal because they were my words being read back to me. And I think I got tense at all the moments I should have as if I'd never heard the story before. And that's, that's how good she, that's what a great job she did that, um, you know, it had me kind of on the edge of my seat listening. Um, but it was, it was definitely surreal to hear to hear my story in an audiobook. Oh, that is so cool. I love that that sparked a whole new love for audiobooks for you. And I love what you just said about how surreal it was having your own words read back to you. And it must have just been so cool. I feel like with being in that experience, it's almost like you are getting to experience your own book from the audience perspective, from the reader perspective, rather than the writer's perspective, which just must have been just such a special way to experience something that you created. Uh, so that's really lovely. And I'm so glad that you got that <laughs> opportunity. Uh, speaking of other mediums in which you can consume your book, uh, I love to ask our other authors, if your book was going to be made into a movie, who do you think you would cast? That's a great question. And as we talked about how I started writing this book way back in 2001, my initial answers are no longer necessarily viable. I, I had Jennifer Garner as Maggie, 100%. She's beautiful and she's lovely, but she's not 28. And so I don't think the audience would buy it. Um, so there, there is a slew of um, younger actresses that I think could potentially do it. Um, there's Emma Watson. Um, um, oh, I'm trying to think of what the other ones are. Oh, uh, Catherine Newton from Big Little Lies. There's, there's a bunch of them that I, th I think could work. I'd take any of them. <laughs> I would take any of them. Um, Warner was supposed to be Harrison Ford. But I, I, you know, Warner's probably in his mid to late 40s. So sorry, Harrison, <laughs> I'll have to go uh, with somebody else. I like Chris Pratt, but I, I don't know. Chris Pratt might, he might be too hunky for Warner. Um, 
um, and I mean that in, in, the, in the best way, <laughs> um, I had, let's see, oh, Hugh Jackman. I think Hugh Jackman could potentially work as Warner. Um, yeah, yeah, I would, I would like that. I had thought maybe Bradley Cooper, but he'd have to clean up his hair a little bit from <laughs> what I've seen lately. He needs to be a little more clean cut. <laughs> Warner's not going to be shaggy. <laughs> no, he definitely wouldn't be. Well, I love all of that casting. And some of the authors, we've even kind of put in the stipulation that in our casting, we could have a time machine and go back in time and get that young Jennifer Garner and that young Harrison Ford. So if they were the perfect casting, which I can totally see that Jennifer Garner, as well as, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, this is just our fun speculation, but obviously we would love to see that movie as well. Uh, but, oh, what was I going to say? Um, Oh, Jennifer Garner and some of the other actresses you mentioned, all of them are really good at playing that the Maggie Jenkins type kind of shy or CIA analyst who kind of comes into her own as the movie or the story progresses. So I think that that is so perfect for Maggie because that is Maggie. Uh, so I, I love, I love that. That's wonderful casting. So Next to me, I have obviously The Wayward Spy. I also have The Wayward Assassin. And very, very soon, in fact, when this podcast comes out, I believe there will only be one week left until The Wayward Target comes out as well. What can you tell us about your sequels and maybe any other books that you're working on? Sure. So um, The Wayward Assassin, which is the second book, picks up about, I think, six months after The Wayward Spy ends. Um, and Maggie is back at the CIA. She's left Capitol Hill. Um, and she is bound and determined to once and for all get justice for her fiance. She feels like there are loose ends and that not all the questions have been answered. And she gets herself in an awful lot of trouble. Um, and it introduces a new character who um, who is interesting and most of my readers really enjoy him his name is roger uh warner is still in the picture um i don't want to spoil anything um about who the bad people are um we'll leave that put that aside for now uh and then the wayward target is about a year after the wayward assassin and um maggie's still there roger's still there warner's still there and um, a couple of additional characters that I think the reader will like or like to hate. Um, and there may be a fourth book. I'm, I'm playing around with some ideas, trying to figure out if that's where I want to go next and see what, what else is in store for Maggie. Oh my gosh. Well, if there is, I can't wait until it hopefully comes across my desk because I've absolutely been so enjoying reading your book and I'm excited to get into the Wayward Assassin as well and the Wayward Target when it comes out is it April 25th, right? So just next week. So exciting. I, yeah, I've really been just loving this so much. So what have you, this is a little question that we like to ask our authors, uh, what have you been reading right now? Or what are you reading right now? 
Um, I, I just finished a historical romance um, by Roma Corden, who's another CamCat author. Um, and um, it, it was, rom or I'm not romancing a Highlander. Oh gosh. Um, Bewitching a Highlander. I apologize, Roma. <laughs> Bewitching a Highlander. And it was fantastic. Really fantastic. Again, I listened to the audiobook and the narrator was just terrific. Really great, perfect Scottish accent. So that was really good. Uh, and I'm finishing up um, a book called Muir's Gambit. And that is um, written by the man who wrote the screenplay for... Um, a movie called um, Spy Game, which came out quite a while ago with Robert Redford and Brad Pitt. I'd like to find a spot for Brad Pitt in one of my movies too. <laughs> That's a side note. Uh, and um, so I've, I've watched the movie and now I'm reading the book and it's sort of a prequel to the movie. And he's got a set of three books um, that are coming out that are a prequel to what ends up happening in the movie. And um, his, the author is Michael Frost Beckner, and it's fantastic. So back in the spy genre, but I, I do, you know, move into other genres as well because I just love fiction. Yeah, Bewitching a Highlander is going to be coming up on the podcast very soon. So I'm going to be delving into that one myself very soon, and I'm very excited for that. Um, I am also a Brad Pitt fan. I could definitely see him playing some role in one of your books. So I love that so much. I'm so, so glad that I got to talk to you, Susan. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Where can our listeners find you? The easiest place to find me and where I am on all social media is on my website. And it's www.susanolette.com. And you'll probably have to look up how to spell my last name, but you can always just Google the Wayward Spy or the Wayward Assassin and you'll, you'll find lots of hits um, and you'll be able to find me on all the big social media sites. Well, amazing. Thank you so much, Susan, for coming on with us. This really was so, so lovely and so good to see you again. <laughs> I had a lot of fun. I was glad I got a chance to talk with you. Amazing, Susan. Thank you so much again for coming on. And to the listeners at home, you can find The Wayward Spy and The Wayward Assassin in ebook, audiobook, and print formats on our website, camcatbooks.com, or wherever books are sold. And stay tuned because so, so soon on April 25th, The Wayward Target will also be available. So make sure you check that out as well. You can find Camcat Unwrapped on all major social media platforms or watch us on our YouTube channel. And make sure you find us on social media at CamCat Books. Thank you all so much for tuning in and unwrapping another one of our books to live in with me. My name is Jess, and I'll see you guys next time here on CamCat Unwrapped.